Welcome to Expounded Universe, Episode 11, Moon Glow Over Miami, with your hosts, Jeff and John. The book, Shadows of the Empire, by Steve Perry. The year, 1996. Chapters 31 through 33. Let's go. Who gave that dog a crossbow and two bachelor's degrees? <laughs> Calls everyone cheese on. I don't know why. <laughs> That's Vader, <laughs> the world's greatest power top. Take a look at these meat bags. Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe novel discussion podcast featuring Jeff and John, which helps us separate it from the many other shows that do the same thing. <laughs> I'm Jeff. That's John laughing over there. Hi, John. How are you? I'm so good. I was just looking at the back of Shadows of the Empire. Oh, Shadows of the Empire, the book we're covering, yeah. Uh, I realized... Boba Fett is on here? Uh, yeah, because remember that one scene in the uh, like in Chapter 7 or so where they try to catch him on that planet, but he gets away? Yeah, but he himself is never on there. Like, if it was a picture of Slave 1, well, I could understand that, but it's just a picture of Boba Fett. I think there's at least part of the, that book that is based on the fact that it, the book was came out after the video game. And Boba Fett's a straight-up boss in the video game. There's a whole level where you have to, like, shoot at Slave 1 with a fucking pistol. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. That was a son of a bitch. Yeah, so I think CNC had a slightly larger role in the game. They figured they could probably get away with putting him on the on the book. I don't know. There's still, like, six chapters left. He might show up. He might. Yeah, it's just weird to me that the front cover is Vader, Emperor, Shizor, and Luke. And, you know, that's what they want to sell this as. Yeah, well, honestly, though, if you look, we're going to get into more... Like less characters are alive books as we go forward into the canon, and you'll see that most of them are just Leia and Luke and Han's floating heads. Yeah, it's just on the back though. You got your main characters and the main thrust of your plot on the front. Yeah, with these four. Yeah, and the, back's the back got a is swoop troop is Bo- Boba Fett and one of the swoop gang guys who's wearing a helmet that only covers the top of his head and is a cone. Yeah, and it turns out that that guy is a guy, and people have emailed us about him to let us know that he like has a whole comic book story and stuff. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure yeah. literally anything there's ever been a picture of has had a full backstory in Star Wars, because Star Wars is garbage free. Did you know Wikipedia has like a full page entry on ducks? I'm sure it does. Because I'm sure. Because at one point in one of the movies, someone says, we're a sitting duck, and so they had to go in and be like, alright, there's a kind of waterfowl called ducks that are found in... Yeah, it's the know. same reason dogs exist. Yeah, because... And and presumably falcons. I mean, I assume. Yeah, you would think a falcon exists. Do you think that it, there's only falcons on the planet Millennium, and that's where that? Yeah, it's a. It's he's not talking like, oh, I wanted a cool name, so I put Millennium in front of Falcon. He's like, oh no, the planet Millennium has falcons. Yes, and this. By is the just, way, a falcon is just a weird type of cow. It's a, so this thing is named after some cow from some planet. Yeah, well, I mean, it was originally a cargo ship, so you'd think maybe like an ox or something. So there's a whole planet out there in the universe somewhere named after the show that came after X-Files? Yes. Yeah, you know, it was all about, like, hackers or conspiracy theories or something? It was It was Millennium was an old guy, and there was something about an Ouroboros tattoo? I don't know. I never watched the it. The important thing is that there were a weird cow there called Falcons, and that's what the ship is named after. Yes. That's what we've established at this point. <laughs> As has been established. <laughs> In the lore. I just love that based on the fact that at certain points they say falcon, duck, cow, and I think dog. Yes. At one time they say like, you rebel dogs or something like that. Yeah. That, that means that those animals have to all be canon in the Star Wars universe. Yes, they have to exist. And because they weren't said or written in expanded universe stuff, but they are in actual movies, you can't get rid of them. No, There's no point where you're like, no, that, that doesn't exist. Yeah, those are actual canon that counts forever for real. Yeah, you can't just dash Rendar one of these things and be like, ah, it doesn't exist. Whoops, never mind. I, I love that they are very quickly, after they did the whole thing where they were like, none of the expanded universe stuff counts anymore, the end, they've been very quick to open up the floodgates again and just start letting that shit back in. Well, I mean, they're letting in Thrawn because everyone loves Kiss Boy Thrawn. Everyone loves Thrawny Thrawn. I assume that we might get Mara Jade at some point, minus all the Luke romance elements. It's possible, but I... I would be interested to see what happens in canon universe outside of Poe Dameron fart nonsense. <laughs> well, okay, here's another thing that's happening recently. My dad called me the other day because he's a, he's an avid collector of the FFG Star Wars ships, right? I, I would like to imagine this has nothing to do with Star Wars. So my here's dad, another thing. My dad called me. My dad, I haven't spoken to my dad in 22 years. <laughs> And honestly, John, it changed my life. <laughs> We're no longer doing this podcast. It, it's now about fathers. It opened my heart. 
No, he called because he collects the FFG X-Wing line. Yeah. And he said, Jeff, I was just watching Star Wars Rebels, and there's TIE Defenders in it. <laughs> and I was like, that's actually kind of neat to hear, because TIE Defenders are from an ancient-ass Infocom game called TIE Fighter. Yeah. And they're one of the they're one of the oldest bits of expanded universe canon that's making its way, farting its way back into the uh, the canon now. That, that, that weird ship, you know, it's the TIE Fighter with three wings. That that's that's making a reappearance now apparently. Yeah. So hey, th- look at that. You never know what's going to suddenly pop up as a canon thing. You never do know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, why don't we talk about where last we left our noble heroes? Speaking of suddenly popping up, what's up with Shizor's dick? <laughs> Please, Shizor has to meditate for an hour and take some pills to get his dick to work. <laughs> And he has to be real careful about it because he's also on that Lipitor, you know. And, oh and, yeah. yeah, I mean you don't want to mix these medications. Oh god! If you mix Lipitor and sex stink, then, you, uh, you will die. Yeah, that's but you know, straight up give you a heart attack. You get a lot of blood pressure in a job like his. It's not an easy thing to do. No man, he works hard. He, does. he works so hard. And you know, every time he watches that Larry the Cable Guy commercial for Lipitor, where he's like, "Yeah, cool, dude. Now you can eat whatever you want or whatever." I can't do a very good oh, Larry the Cable Guy. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I don't think he actually does like a Prilosec one. I think is what the actual Larry the Cable Guy medicine shilling commercial is is for heartburn medication. I I don't know. Anyway, where did we leave our heroes? Uh, when last we left our heroes, uh, Lando and Luke had made it onto Coruscant more or less safely uh-huh. and uh, had just stolen uniforms from. Some uh, some stormtrooper guy. Oh yeah, Final Fantasy VI style. They like yeah. They start like, hey, you should check this thing out. What's in there? Whack, whack. <laughs> thunks. There's thunks in there. Oh. Also, one of them was. Hey, all you thunks need to get out of here. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, now that these thunks are out of here, thank you, citizen. Whack. Wikipedia's article on thunks is a page and a half long. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Thunks are well-known species on Coruscant. Sassalabasala was a known thunk Jedi who had a great who had gray eyes and a purple lightsaber that could turn blue when she was mad. She was a known thick Jedi. <laughs> so, so basically, they managed to to rob the clothes from a Luke and a Lando-sized lieutenant. I love that they managed to find only them, like. They go up to some random people that are, you know, fucking Stormtrooper Imperial guys, and they're like, hey, just you, can you come with me? <laughs> like, I know you're on patrol with four dudes, but just you. Well, I think Luke is learning a lesson from the first time he stole Stormtrooper armor back in A New Hope. And, you know, remember, he couldn't see a thing in this helmet because he got some taller guy's Stormtrooper armor. Yeah. I think I think this is him going, I'm not doing that again. He probably just force-tricked some dudes to come over there. Ah. That or he's like, yeah, I'm just going to kill four dudes and then just piecemeal whatever I need from this. He just walked up to some random stormtroopers and he was like, I'm not the Luke you're looking for. And they are like, yeah, I know, we're not looking for Luke, you're fine. And he was like, great, what's your belt size? <laughs> yeah, that was exactly it. <laughs> what do you got under the hood? What's an inseam for you? Also, I think I have to do Obi-Wan's voice to make this work. Yeah, no, that's exactly true. You have to Obi-Wan at people in order for it to work. Yeah, you can't you can't force mind trick unless you're Obi-Wanning. Yeah, you can't like... Hey, you guys need to give me your boots. Like you can't look at someone and have that work. <laughs> yeah, that, that's never gonna get anyone. It's got. He's got to walk up to people and be like, mm, mm, mm. "Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, guys. Oh, pretend I have a beard. Thanks, thanks." <laughs> how how big are your shoes? Give give me your shoes. No, wait, I'm gone. I've gone Saruman. Hold on. You've gone full Dooku. <laughs> you never go full Dooku. <laughs> uh, at least watch, if watch you're out go, for the doggy Dooku. <laughs> at least if you're going to go full Dooku, don't go full Dooku to mouth. <laughs> Dooku to mouth is my new Star Wars novel. <laughs> it's my new Star Wars porn parody. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's my new uh, food delivery service. We prepare it Dooku to mouth. It's Dooku fresh. Anyway, chapter 31 begins with Luke finally, I guess, being okay with the neighborhood that he's in. Yeah, That's, which they were, they were wandering around a bad part of Coruscant, which, I mean, given that it's Coruscant, it's an entire planet. Like, the bad part of Coruscant has to be pretty bad if it's, it's a bad part of an entire planet. It's probably like the size of Europe when you yeah. think about it. Like, oh, that's the bad part of Coruscant. Don't go there. That's the shitty part. That's where the shitty daddies are. Yeah, at. that's like the, the New South Wales of Coruscant. <laughs> we yeah. have to... Fucking come at me, Australia or whatever. <laughs> Australia or whatever. <laughs> Anyone's know. welcome to come at you. I mean, you can come at me, but, you know, whatever. 
Okay, so so he did, he's been griping for a while apparently because when he finally when they get into the neighborhood he's in now he's like, well, I guess this neighborhood's okay. And all I can think every time I see that is, Luke, you you grew up in a hole in the dirt, like literally a hole in a sandy environment. All your spare time was spent hanging around a gas station parking lot with similar losers. The the other thing is, what's your basis of comparison here? Because you've pretty much gone from Tatooine's bullshit sand hole. To rebel bases? Look, at least in the neighborhood I was in, I had at least three friends who were humans, and, and white humans, if you if you get what I'm <laughs> if putting you, down. If you, if you understand what I mean when I say that uh, it was human out later, yeah. <laughs> everything stayed a little bit more humane. I, uh, I grew up in a shitty neighborhood, but it was a human neighborhood. I'm Luke Skywalker. Ah, noted space racist and uh, definitely in, brother of Leia. It runs in the family, <laughs> at least in this book. Yeah. So... He was griping, but now I guess he's okay in the neighborhood he's in, which is fine because this is where Spiro's shop is. Hey, John, remember Spiro? Hey, guys, you remember the Hoden? He's a Hoden. Oh, shit, I got it right. Yes. Oh, shit, we're infecting you with Star Wars knowings. I, I've got a Star Wars, and he's, he's, he's scaly and tall? He's three meters tall, and he's yellow, but he has red wires for hair. Oh, okay. He basically looks like Warlock from X-Factor, or X-Force, yes, or whatever. Yes, X-Factor. From whatever the fuck book from Warlock the British is. British X-Factor. Well, okay, what book is that fucking thing in? That's, uh, New Mutants? Is the New Mutants where they, oh, He's just the worst. He's just a way to not have to draw backgrounds and frames. <laughs> just draw a bunch of black and yellow circuitry and just say Warlock's wherever the background would have been. Done. Warlock's here. Okay, so anyway, he basically looks like a, like Warlock. He's just that. Yeah. But they're, they're finding his shop, and this is and Lando's like, this is the the home of Spiro. He's an old guy who's done work for all the sides. And Luke, who apparently is as sick of Lando by as at this point as we are, it's like, oh, does he owe you a favor? Does he owe you a gambling favor, you tool, <laughs> you giant d bag? And then Lando rolls his contacts roll, and I guess he doesn't. He fails the contacts roll. He do- Spiro owes him no favors. Yeah, but he's like, eh, no, but he helps out the Alliance occasionally. He'll do a deed for me, I guess. And they head into Spiro's flower shop. They do a deed. And inside Spiro's flower shop, they find nothing. Oh, no. There's some flowers, but there's no Hoden. (laughs) They are still hungry. (laughs) You You found flowers to eat, but they do not fill your belly. Uh, but there's no Hoden in there. Instead, while they're standing around looking dumbly in the area trying to figure out where a Hoden is, they are suddenly accosted from behind by someone with a gun. Someone speaking Wookie. So this is kind of funny because because someone behind them barks out a command and Luke goes, well, I can't tell who that is, but I think that's a Wookiee. I think they're speaking Wookiee. It's like, dude, you've been friends with Chewbacca for like two years. <laughs> Man, he don't know. All right, let's go over. Let's go over several things here, Luke. First of all, how do you not recognize his voice? Look, you, people met, can't tell us apart. Okay, people can't. <laughs> tell, but he's met other Wookies, and they don't sound anything like each other. I have only seen these Wookies in the movies, and I can tell you, Itchy from Chewbacca, no problem. Chewbacca sounds like this. Rah! Itchy sounds like this. Rah! It's <laughs> Itchy be like. Rah! <laughs> oh, come all. This is this is my quick impression of Itchy watching a Wookie porn. Bah! Bah, bah. It's gross. It's messed uh, up. He sounds like a dying goat. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then meanwhile, you've got you've got little uh, little Lumpy who sounds like yeah. Uh, Lumpy who always sounds like Krillin about to say that he doesn't have any powers. I'm Krillin. I don't have any powers. Yeah. You should be able to tell these Wookies apart. And second, Luke, it's not called Wookie. Their language is called Shriwook. No, nah, man. It's it's basically like instead of saying someone speaking Cantonese, you're like someone speaking Chinese behind me. Someone speaking Chinaman is what he's basically saying. <laughs> he's basically saying, "What's this now, Ching Chong Wing Wongs? I'm a huge racist, and I think that's what's behind me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> Steve Perry has decided literally everyone in the universe is a big space racist. Well, this is just Luke again. Well, it's it's all humans. Humans are space racists. That's what they're known for. Hell, the entire empire is known for being ridiculously space racist. <laughs> I just like that he's proud of himself briefly. He's like, I think that might be a Wookiee behind us with a gun. It's definitely Chewbacca with a haircut, but I think it's it's definitely Chewbacca. I'm pretty sure it's a Wookiee. I'm like, dude, Perry, there are people who live in like stilt houses over the Orinoco River Valley who can identify a Wookiee on sound. Huh. <laughs> Everyone knows what Wookiees sound like, and we live in a universe where they're fictional. 
Yep. All right. So uh, basically, <laughs> I'm just I'm just so mad about this scene where he doesn't hear Chewbacca and go, "Oh, it's fucking Chewbacca." I mean, you celebrated Christmas with him last year, Luke. Remember, no, you didn't. You walked into a weird dimension with him in your red robes, and you say, and Leia sang a song about harmony. They celebrated Life Day. Fine, okay? fine. They celebrated Life Day, which is technically in November, but still. Also, it doesn't come every year. Life Day is, I think, every... It's like the Olympics. It's every four years. It's in your mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so they very briefly have a reunion with, yes, indeed, this is Chewbacca. Uh, what a Wookiee. And, and, and here he is. He has basically tied up Hoden because he doesn't want Hoden to get blamed for what's about to happen. Yeah, so if they get, like, caught here, then Hoden can remain blameless because it'll look like they just uh, were trying to kidnap him or steal from him or whatever. Yeah. Luckily, what happens here is that Lando speaks a little Shrewook. So Chewbacca can do his, his half-gurgles or whatever, and Lando will be like, all right, this is basically what he's saying. This is our first time where we've had it. This is a scene where I was just mad because I was like, why didn't they bring C-3PO with them? They were looking for Chewbacca. Huh. They, I mean, C-3PO speaks Wookiee. That's the only reason there's a C-3PO. Huh. Huh. Well, because uh, Lando. Lando speaks it. Lando and Han, they both speak it. Yeah, I guess that's good enough. Uh, so the, Chewie manages to get across that Leia's still captured, that the whole big bad guy in this book is Black Sun, and that they're the ones who've been trying to kill Luke the whole time. Yeah, in a couple of lines. Yeah, he gets a couple of quick lines, and then all of a sudden, before anyone has a chance to react, there are four armed men not wearing any particular uniform outside shooting wildly into the flower shop. Oh no! What to do? Well, here's what they do. Lando and Luke and Chewbacca run, run like crazy scared people, towards the back of the shop, hoping there's a secret exit back. Excuse me, a secret exit back there. There is not. No, but there is a door. So they go through the door and they end up in some back room where they're like, oh my god, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's four inaccurate mooks outside. Can we defeat them? I mean, we are only a burgeoning Jedi Knight, a battle-ready Wookiee tank, and the hero of the fucking Star Caves of Thonboka, Lando Calrissian. Can we defeat four random mooks? Yeah, I love that they're like, oh, mo oh no, how are we going to get out of this one? We've been in some tough scrapes before, but this one takes the cake. What like, a jam. What? I'm like, the fuck? Luke, you alone defeated an entire uh, hotel full of bounty hunters five chapters ago. Yeah, you straight clowned on, like, a bounty hunter convention. And, <laughs> and you're having trouble with four idiots. And again, we're talking about Lando Calrissian, the person who discovered the secret of the flame wind of Ozeon. <laughs> This means nothing to me. And Chewbacca, a person who, when they finally decided to kill him, the only way they could figure out to do it was to hit him with a moon. Yep. It's it's these three, and they're outnumbered by one person. But one mook. His name is probably Doug. <laughs> oh, Doug. Poor Doug, man. He's just doing this for the benefits. He didn't want to. <laughs> well, anyway, what happens is, while they cower in fear from four mooks, who should show along, show up and shoot all of them without effort but Dash Rendar? Dash Rendar shows up and he's like, Hey, ladies, did you need some helping? And he spins his gun and then <laughs> blows the top off like as if smoke was coming out of it. And it makes a hooting noise. <laughs> it delivers a little hoot. Hoot. <laughs> I want to hold your hand. That's pretty much what it does. Now, the, the question I have is, obviously, this motion is meant to, uh, for us, evoke the whole, like, gunslinger with a gun that's smoking and he blows the smoke away, right? Yes, yeah. How would he know how to do that in a universe where gunpowder weapons haven't existed in, like, recorded history. No, I mean, they have. Slug throwers still exist. They're called slug throwers for some dumb reason. And you still find stats for them in all the video games and books and everything. Uh, I mean, it doesn't make any sense why he would do it. Because, again, here's the problem. A, a blaster shouldn't even have a rifled barrel. What are you doing? Shaping the light so it spirals correctly? Yeah, it's got, it's got rifling in there so it spins the light. <laughs> the light's got to spin at a good angle or it'll go all wild and cocky. Yeah. So instead, why does he even have a barrel and not just a flashlight tip? But then again, all the guns in the movies have barrels, so we know that yeah, that's we, okay. We can't blame Steve Perry that's, for this. we got to leave him alone on that one. But blowing on one to put it out like you're a fucking cowboy is dumb. Yeah, I, I, I honestly doubt he would even know what that would mean. Yeah, he blows down the barrel and it goes, hoot, hoot. Now, I would love if instead of just doing it once like he was a cowboy, he straight went jug-bound with it and he's like, hoot, hoot. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had to pull out a bigger gun so we could get a second note. <laughs> One of his guns just says XXX printed on the side of it. <laughs> I'm in a blaster band, guys. One guy's over there with a washboard. I've got a lightsaber washboard. <laughs> oh, man, Star Wars Jug Band is definitely a thing that needs to happen. Who doesn't want a Star Wars Jug Band? Come on. <laughs> So, you gotta do something while you're in line for Star Tours. Well, I mean, I've definitely seen that picture where Han Solo is fighting Emmett Otter, so, I mean, it's, it's possible. <laughs> He's fighting a Salonian, and it's the worst piece of art ever. That Salonian is someone who didn't know how to make an otter look like an alien, so he just drew a big otter. Yeah, it's, it's Emmett Sol- the Salonian and his jug band. <laughs> Emmett's come up in the world, because that thing is dripping with bling. Oh, hell yeah, they got it, they got it big. After yeah. they built, beat the Nightmare the the, uh, the River Bottom Nightmare Band. Yeah, after they beat them, they went on they, to big things. They didn't beat them. That's the best thing about that movie is the River Bottom Nightmare Band appropriately wins. <laughs> they show up, they do their awesome rock song with great pyrotechnics, win, and then peacefully leave. <laughs> They're like, I know we're called like a Nightmare Band, but that's, that's all just PR. That's my favorite thing about Evan Otter's Jug Band Christmas is the fact that they're the, the uh, River Bottom Nightmare Band are set up as the villains. And they are absolutely not. They are merely a, near, a competing band with a weird edge to them. They are consummate professionals. From a nearby town. They don't do anything menacing. There's one scene where they pop up to kind of psych out the competition by riding around on snowmobiles and calling the jug band who are practicing in a treehouse little birdies singing in a tree. And then they leave. Yep. At no point are the, are the Nightmare Band threatening. And when they win, it's justified. They don't cheat. They're just good at music. Yeah. It's great. It's a great scene. And I want to watch Han Solo fight them. Well, them? There's just, they're a bear and a snake and a sh- an eel, I think. No, it's a fish. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right, all right. I'll I'm watch. sure those those species exist in Star Wars. Star <laughs> yeah. Wars is fucking stupid garbage. There movies. is. There's a bear called the Gray Sicorian Bear. There you go. Mm-hmm. I bet he plays the guitar. So also, we already know eels exist because of those delicious ass fleek eels. Them fleek eels. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Every single one of those animals exists. Yeah. All right. So anyway, Rendar shows up and he's all like, mm-hmm. "I guess I saved your butts again, gentlemen." Oh God. And. Steve Perry, not content to have his uh, ridiculous character show up and save the day, has to have Luke comment on, golly, I'm so embarrassed. Dash Rendar had to show up and save me again. Why, he's so muscly. Hey, everybody, I'm Dash Rendar. The line to suck my dick starts here. (laughs) Luke Skywalker just running as fast as he can. (laughs) Oh, sorry, you got to be at least this tall to suck my dick. Uh, <laughs> There's some carny standing there, just arms crossed and slowly shaking his head at Luke. No, nope. nope. <laughs> Come back when you're a little older, kid. <laughs> this dick bucks like a mule. <laughs> uh, and then this whole scene is just Rendar popping up in, towards the back of the book to emasculate the heroes again. Because the first thing he does, they, they, they do is like, how did you get here? Well, I flew here in the Outrider, and then I hid in the sensor shadow of a ship. Oh, my God. Also amazing is that. Because he's like, yo, I did the same trick that you did. And later in the book, I know we're going to get to it, but fucking, I think Guri mentions like, oh, well, they probably just stowed under a, uh, a merchant ship because literally anyone could do it. You know that rad trick that you thought Han Solo was a badass for doing? It's an idiot trick that any dumb asshole could do. Oh, yeah. Fucking uh, Dash hangs a huge lampshade on it. He goes, oh, yeah, I hid in the sensor shadow of an incoming freighter. I learned how to do it in the academy. Yeah. And I'm like, like oh, just a thing wait, so everyone in the Imperial Navy knows how to do it? So when when uh, Han did it, he was hiding on one of the Star Destroyers in the attack on Hoth, which are part of the Death Guard, uh, which is, you know, friggin' uh, Vader's personal group of, of Star Destroyers, which I guess he has crewed with total idiots who didn't go to the academy. Yeah. And you'd think, after enough people graduated from the academy and they were giving lessons on, hey guys, this is how you avoid people's sensors, they'd go, why don't we put a sensor on the bottom of our ships? Let's put sensors everywhere. Let's just put some more sensors. I mean, this I ship's, mean, we just need one. This ship's like six miles long. We could, we've got room for some sensors. We could put a camera down there. <laughs> we could just put a guy out there. Just have a dude hanging out down there and he's like, uh, hey, uh, this is Bill down in the, uh, the bottom of the ship. There's a dude under here. Uh, I'm at the bottom of the ship, lifeguard tower. I've been telling this guy this ship not to run for like five minutes. 
I've, I've tried to tell this guy it was Adult Swim and he wouldn't get out. So, uh, so Darth Vader. We got, we're done. Darth Vader. We're done with these guys. They escape and they go running off into some cavern somewhere. That's it. And meanwhile, Darth Vader. Meanwhile, Darth Vader. Darth Vader is hanging out with his only friend in the world, a character only known as the Little Man. Uh, I am cackling because it's true. Yeah, he keeps referring to this character who gives Darth Vader information as the little man. The little man. So, little man has linked... He's there because he... They're just in some conference room in uh, Vader's castle on Coruscant. Yep. I love that he doesn't have a building. He has a castle on Coruscant. obviously. I I think it's just everything Vader owns is a castle. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's got one of those fucking 40k cathedral ships. (laughs) I like that it's an RV now. It's not that his, his castle's always on Coruscant. He just flies a castle around. Yeah, it's his castle and he flies it everywhere. So he's uh, standing in some conference room in his castle on Coruscant, and uh, Little Man is here to basically give him some information about Shizor. And, and he's like, hey, remember like 20 chapters ago when that lady tried to kill Luke Skywalker in the hidden asteroid X-Wing moon base? Hi, uh, you remember? Remember that? Well, we've linked it to someone paying her some money. And Vader's like, <laughs> oh my. He has like a... Like an anime reaction to this, where he's like, "Ah, well, that could be money that comes from Black Sun, and Black Sun is the organization that is that that is uh, the people who work for Shizor, and Shizor is the opponent that I must destroy." And, uh, well, but he doesn't have any evidence. It's just more circumstantial shit in his pile. Yeah, well, all he gets is, "Oh, that lady who was trying to kill Luke was paid to do so," and you're like, "Yeah, no shit." Yeah, duh. Like, she didn't just flip out and decide to kill Skywalker and, randomly. And, and that was the first thing we learned about her at all, was that the moment they did, they were like, someone rascal destroyed. Also, someone paid that lady $10,000 to kill Luke. We've known this for goddamn ever, and yet Vader's supposed to have, like, an amazing spy network that rivals Black Suns, and yet he's like, oh, I just found out what the fucking Rebels found out chapters and chapters ago. Well, he's force choking a little too hard. He's down to just one little man. He's... He's force choking a little too hard, if you know what I mean, of a little man. Uh, he's force choking that little man a little too much. <laughs> Gotta loosen your grip on the little man, dude. You're gonna chafe? <laughs> that way lies hate. <laughs> oh, he wants that, though. So, basically, I numbered out a list of the things that I thought Vader would do at the start of this subchapter, and here they are. Uh, first, he will tell little man that he is going to be rich, because he always does that. He's like, you did well. You will never want for money again. Which to me would sound like a threat coming from Vader. Ah. He'd be like, ironic punishment time. <laughs> then he blames Shizor. Then he announces his intentions to kill Shizor. Then he notes, uh, parenthetically, that the Emperor will not let him kill Shizor. <laughs> then he says, but I can will, and will wait so that someday I can kill Shizor. And then he find it, caps it off with an entire paragraph that is just him going, soon. Soon. And there you go. If you uh, if you follow that simple guideline, you will now know every single Vader subchapter in this entire book. Well, you left out Luke Skywalker is my son. Oh, and no. he is powerful. I've got, he will I, come to the dark side. I've got a whole section down here that breaks it down into the five types of Vader scenes that are in this book. We'll go over it. They're going to be fun. So that's all the Vader has to do. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, Dash is leading Luke and Lando through the windy underbelly of Coruscant. Ah, the windy underbelly. I think it might say windy. I'm looking at my notes. Ah. The windy underbelly of Coruscant. He apparently knows where he is going. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I, maybe, maybe he does. But how long has Dash Rendar not been on Coruscant? Like, he used to be in the Empire. But that was a very long time ago. This is one of the few things in the book I was okay with. Dash Rendar is from Coruscant. Is he? Yeah, he's from Coruscant. So Is he from here in Coruscant? Because I'm from Earth, and if you <laughs> drop me in India, I'm not going to be like, this way, guys. I know where we're going. <laughs> it's true. That's fair. No, he's not from here. His family was well off. Remember, he's actually like a rich kid? Yeah. So, you, so there's no way he's from here. Yeah, he's in the fucking poor section, which means, what, the, what are you doing, Dash? How do you know this? I don't know. I'll just find one of my butlers or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, he he also, this is yet another chance for him to bust Lando's balls. Because Lando's like, well, how did you know how to find us? And he's like, well, yeah, you went to Spiro's house. Everyone knows about Spiro. <laughs> yeah, and again, the whole, like, when Leia met him and it was, oh, you're a, you're a secret friend to the Alliance. And gosh, like, even me, Princess Leia, is, like, supposed to be... Uh, like super deferential and trying not to fuck your shit up and 
you know, just you helping me a little bit is going to make us even, even though you owe me a life debt. And then, oh no, it's just like your local corner market for Alliance. It's the town Info. bike. Every, everyone knows Spiro. You go to Spiro's if you want something. He's got a big sign out front that says, Rebel help to be found here. He is kind of already shaped like a wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-flailing tube man. Maybe he just stands outside all the time doing that. He's like, ah, who needs information or a bounty or something? Come on in. Uh, folks I, at home know I'm doing the thing. I don't know how he finds time to be a master gardener with all of this dumb bullshit that he keeps doing. I assume that like most species in this book that isn't one, a human, he lives like 400 years. Oh, sure. Uh, all right, so basically, finally, they get around to asking Dash, "What the fuck are you doing here?" Like, yeah. I thought you were over moping on uh, on a rodeo. I thought you were a big sad sack. Yeah, I thought you were just kind of crying into your beers on the Outrider all the way over in the casino district on Rodia. And it basically is like, no, I had a real sad on because I couldn't save eight Bothans. But then I realized I'm mad at the Empire, so I came here to help you strike a blow against the Empire's enemy, Black Sun. I wait, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Line? <laughs> the whole thing is like, oh, well, I know that I've established my character throughout this whole thing is only working for money and only doing this for the money. But then, while I was sitting there, I realized, man, I can't just sulk all day. I've got to do something. And instead of taking a job, I decided, I, I owe the Empire one. So now I'm going to attack Black Sun. Okay. That's it. That's the whole thing. Okay. Well, anyway, he says he has some contacts, and he will help them get back Leia. Of course he has some contacts. Yeah, everyone has contacts. Everyone, Every, everyone, everyone, five took, dots. Everyone took five dots in contacts. Everyone except Luke. Yeah, Luke's like, nah, man, I had to put those points into the Force. Yeah. All right, so here we go. First Shizor of the day. Ah, oh, good. Let's let's check in with Shizor, shall everyone, we? Everyone fill up your snifters of brandy, pull up a chair by the fire, Get your spare hand on the head of an Irish wolfhound, because it's time for some gentlemanly Shizor conduct. And uh, here we go. He is basically informing Leia that she is going to eat breakfast with him for sure. Yeah. He's like, you will dine with me for breakfast. And she's like, ew, no. He's he's just doing Ming the Merciless now. Yeah. he's Because at this point, his secret is out, so he can't be coy anymore, so he's just being a dick. Uh, he Basically, Leia tries to take this opportunity of being randomly hit on to pump him for some information. She's like, well, will Chewbacca be there? And he's like, no, Chewbacca has taken his leave of us. Oh, well, it got away and you can't find him, huh? And she, like, tries to be gloating about She's trying this? to needle him. She's trying to get under his skin, I guess. Because earlier she tried to get under his robes, so you might as well keep pushing. Hey, now. Now, uh, but basically his response is, oh, you think he got away and not that I let him get away? Paw, 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 is more or less his opinion here. Uh, but Leia, Le- this is weird because Leia can't figure out this play. Yeah, Leia needed it literally to be spelled out for her by Shizor, who's like, look, I want Skywalker. Skywalker wants to rescue you. I have you. Skywalker will come to me. Oh, hold on. Let me draw it for you. Do you have crayons in here? <laughs> Jeez, let me get the back of your children's menu, Leia. Oh, we should have put more toys in your weird sex room. God, okay, hold on. Let me get your Barbies, and I'll do a little play for you about <laughs> how I am attempting to kill Luke Skywalker. So this is, that's, he basically says exactly what John just said. Uh, Luke wants to rescue you. I have you. Luke will come here. And her response is the first quote I have today. It's Leia thinks, this creature is evil, twisted, brilliant, and evil. I love that Steve Perry makes it so that not only is Shizor's internal monologue that I'm the most brilliant, sexy, awesome man ever, and I'm the coolest dude, but then he has to put it into other people's things. I'm fine if Shizor is super narcissistic, whatever, but when you're like, Oh my, he has the world's most basic, idiotic plan. Yeah. What a brilliant strategist. Oh my god, he has the mind of a true genius. Listen to his ridiculously circuitous one-part plan. His part plan to use someone as bait. I've never heard of this before. What is this bait you speak of? (laughs) When I go fishing, I just throw a hook in the water. What is this bait? Why? You need it to catch the fleet eel. (laughs) Which I do with a spear. An unbaited spear. Yeah, that's that's what's happening there. Uh, okay, so now, all of a sudden, I guess just because we have to get on with fucking things, Luke becomes a Jedi Knight. Yeah, because uh, Dash is like, yo, let's uh, let's go to this place. 
And all of a sudden Luke's like, oh yeah, now the Force jumps into me and that's fine, we should do that. Yeah, we will go to a place and we will plan and we will rescue Leia. I heard you say sewer level and I uh, I realized that that is in the video game, so yes. that's Okay, this whole bit is amazing, but what's this is my favorite part because it just goes... Uh, they're all trying to decide what to do. And Land, uh, uh, Dash is like, we can go to a hideout I have and we can make a plan there. All of a sudden the Force enters Luke and he realizes... He had to just wait for the Force to enter him, and the time would be right, and he would know when it was right, and it would be very special when it happened. Yeah. Just make sure you use protection for when the Force enters you. Oh, yeah. And then well, he the goes... the Force entered him, but it was gentle, and it held him. Yeah, and it spent a lot of time working around the area before it entered him. A lot of Force foreplay. Yeah. A lot of Force play. Yeah. So much Force play. And, <laughs> so... But then he just says, yes, let us go to the area you have chosen, and there we will plan, and then we will rescue Leia. And the book's like, and everyone else reacted to this crazy thing Luke just said, as if it was perfectly normal. Oh yeah, he's like, man, I expected everyone to be like, well, who died and put you in charge? But they all realized that I was a true man now. You're like, wait, you said, yeah, let's go ahead and plan in your dumb hideout. I think he had And to- everyone was like, my god. I think there's a cut scene in the book we didn't see where between these two chapters, like, Luke kills his sick childhood dog and ah! <laughs> has to become a grown-up. <laughs> That's the only way that this makes sense. But the chapter ends with Luke, Jedi Knight, smiled in satisfaction. All right. I also, I need to say here, the other great thing is him talking about how it's so simple. He didn't realize how easy, it was, or simple, but not easy. Oh, yeah. There's a difference between simple and easy, and Luke understands it. He understands that simple is a minus five, but easy is a minus ten. I love that we're just completely RPGing this thing at this point. Oh, yeah. He understands there's a difference between hard and difficult. Also, this whole chapter ends with a one-paragraph line that just says, yes. Yes. Oh, man. All right, so we have to go right back to Shizor, and we're still in chapter 31, Right back to Shizor, who's getting naked. And we have been told that Shizor is brilliant. Mm-hmm. That, and not only is he brilliant, but he has keen instincts. He has these uh, well-honed abilities to think things through and like do 3D chess in his brain and all that. Guri tells him, hey, there's a, there's a freighter. That's being hidden nearby. In the Hazamadi cargo district. And it matches the uh, the Millennium Falcon, and it's being hidden. And he's like, well, whatever. There's a ton of Corellian freighters that are around here. Who gives a shit? Ugh. And I'm like, seriously? You wouldn't go, great, have some people check it out immediately. Yeah, you think his first thought would be, oh, good, my plan worked. My, my ridiculously circuitous one-part plan, which I'm so super fucking proud of, is clearly working, and I am shooting it down. Yeah, it's, I had this plan that I was 100% sure would work, and now that I've gotten some assurance that it has, I'm like, whatever. I mean, really, Guri's only even in this scene because... Shizor is getting naked, and we need our latest reminder that Guri can stand around while Shizor is naked and not be super boned on him. Oh, yeah. It's, hey, Guri's so hot, but she's, like, not even going to be about his dick, even though Shizor's so hot. All right, let's let's get clear here. I don't care how naked Shizor is. No one cares about flaccid dicks, no matter how green they are. Not straight women, <sighs> not gay dudes. Not The only people who give a shit about flaccid dicks are the dude who has a flaccid dick. <laughs> Uh good. Yeah, so so no, no one's going to give a fucking shit if you're naked, Shizor. And also, I don't know why Perry thinks this is impressive. Literally, the last scene we saw that had Gree in it, it was her giving Shizor a phone while he was in his big fancy time boy times bathtub. Yeah. So we already know that she walks in and hands him shit when he's naked. It's not impressive anymore. We're in chapter 31. Stop it, Perry. No, Perry has a couple of things that are his go-tos, and that's all he's going to do. I mean... This is also, I've mentioned it before, but he's like, oh, you think Skywalker's here? Could he have eluded the Imperial picket and landed on the planet? As bold as you please, and Guri is straight up, uh, any half-wit pilot who knows the freighter trick can manage it. So just, <laughs> this book straight clowns all the time on Han. Yeah, poor Han, who did something awesome in the second, in uh, Return of the, or sorry, Empire, which everyone loves that scene in Empire, where he hides on the side of the, of the Space Raider, or the uh, Star Destroyer, and he takes off and flies through the garbage, and then Boba Fett chases him. The only reason Boba Fett chases him isn't because Boba Fett's good at being a bounty hunter, it's because he's using the stupidest trick in the world. Yeah. It's not, oh man, wow, Boba Fett really outsmarted him this time, it's Boba Fett had 
two brain cells to rub together and was like, hey man, you know there's this trick that literally every smuggler and pilot knows how to do? So, okay, at this point, we know that there's a massive assault being planned, a raid through the sewers to rescue Leia from the dark castle of Prince Shizor. Meanwhile, Vader is prepping to close in and, and just snap the trap closed on Shizor. And, and also, there's all kinds of other... There's people everywhere doing all kinds of things. So what do we have time for here in the book? Why, about four pages of Shizor meets with business partners. Yep, it's now time for Shizor to be like, you know, I could always have someone else do this for me. But uh, it's good. It's good for me to meet with random people and be like, Yes, yes, General, here is your bribe. Good day, sir. So here are the people he meets with. General Sendo, the do-nothing officer of the Imperial Intelligence D-Stab branch. Oh, good. D-Stab. D-Stab, which I assume is destabilization, so they're trying to break down enemy governments. Uh, he just gets 10,000 credits a month to show up and tell she's or Imperial things. Yep. And it's uh, not an especially exciting thing. Then a quick monologue about how he trusts that, that uh, Sendo is allowed into his building because his security is so super good, you guys, that if anyone tried to cheat him, they would be instantly lasered to death and then a dog would eat the remains. Yeah. A it, space dog. Everyone knows that if you come into my place with a weapon or any sort of listening device... You're dead. And then I'll tell your family about how you died. And then everyone will know how you died. And then everyone will know that Shizor is great. Ugh. Okay, then we have him meet Miley Wang, who's like the queen of the prostitutes or something. Yeah, she's the prostitute queen of Coruscant. And, uh, uh, she's, uh, she's the head of the Exotic Entertainers Union. Yes, but she is the prostitute queen of Coruscant. And this is just some fucking kid shit. This is like if you had Philippe from Akewood write a scene of... When a mob boss meets with some lady. Because she's just like, I would like a raise for the 20,000 people who work for me. Yes, I will give 20,000 people a raise. Thank you. Let us drink tall glasses of water. Goodbye. Yeah. That's it, what happens. He's just like, oh, well, you know, if the ladies are happy, then they'll entertain better. So, you know, sure, why not? Let's do it. Let's give them all five raises. I don't hey. need to think about the economics of this at all. That's not what this is. She, I have infinite money because I'm Shizor, and that's... The only point that I can make outside of how sexy I am. So, oh, he also does take a brief moment during the Miley Wang interview to note that she is so friendly that he has never had to use his sex stink on her. Yeah, I've never even had to sex stink her up to make her not be mean, I guess. But you're you're some random woman meeting with the mob boss. Yeah, like I mean, the mob. Also, boss. she's not just some random woman. She's probably a highly trained prostitute. She is literally nice for money. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I never have to make her nice using my sex stink. I'm like, yeah, yeah no shit. You never have to do that to the general either. You know why? Because everyone is afraid you're going to murder them. Or they're happy that you're giving them money. In her case in particular, she's like, oh, I meet with this fucking guy, and he seems to be hitting on me all the time, but he's happy. He's like, at this point, she's always like that kind of guy that pops a boner while he's getting a pedicure. Ah. Anyway, uh, okay. After Miley Wang is Bentu Paul Tarlan. The head of Imperial Center Construction con Contracts Divisions. He's here to help Imperial... Uh, she's or cheated business. I dare you to care. Yeah. Oh, well, my goodness. He'll get me a contract, and then I can underbid for that contract. But then I'll make it so it's delayed, so I get more money, and then it'll offset the... I'm like, I dude, care. I don't no. give a single fuck about... There's only five chapters left in this book. There is no way you're not about to die. Why are we doing this? I do not need a full, like, half of a chapter about... How your construction business goes. We are at the end of this book. Who cares? So meanwhile, he also meets with Wendell Wright Sims, high-level drug dealer, who is here not for money or for a trade, but just to give Shizor a huge bag of drugs. He just shows up with a bag of spice and is like, Good day, sir! Hello. And leaves. Local free bag of drugs delivery! And then we have a thing where Shizor has to note that he himself is too pure of mind and heart to ever uh, take any of these drugs. But he needs to keep huge garbage bags of them around, I guess, in case he ever needs to, like, entertain Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing cocaine with you, Johnny Depp. <laughs> I love doing cocaine with you, Shizor. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess. I mean, but let's be clear. Of course Shizor doesn't use spice. No. He, he gets completely high off the scent of his own magic space farts. <laughs> yes, he does. It is... This whole thing Also, is, some person from a jeweler's guild. Well, yeah. Because it ends with him being like, oh, some people think that this would be tedious, but they don't have my brilliant imagination. <laughs> oh, God, that scene. Yeah, okay, so what happens at this point is 
the smuggest thing ever written. Like, literally, this is the smuggest par- paragraph in the book. I thought we'd already seen it, but here we go. No, I've got, no. I've got is, it written down. It. Uh, here it is. Mm-hmm. The work might have been called tedious by some, but Shizor had not been bored in years. There were too many things to think about, too many angles to consider, and even the most humdrum situation. Boredom was for those who lacked imagination. Shizor could sit alone in a room for days, staring at a wall, and be as busy mentally as most men working a complex and demanding job. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Steve's ability to tell and not show is continually the worst thing about this book to me. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, oh, Shizor's the best. Shizor could look at a wall and his thoughts would be more impressive than anything anyone else could ever think. Let's think about this for a second. Can Shizor sit alone in a room and have no nothing happening around him? Based on this book, no. Because all of his walls are hollow screens that show him women's bathrooms. Yeah. And all of the shit in his room can talk. Oh, yeah. He'd be sitting alone in his room, but his bed would be like, cheese or... Cheese or, would you like a butt massage? And he'd be like, no, chair. I'm staring at this wall and contemplating life. And I... by that, I mean staring at these rude titties. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much what happens. There's no way. There's no way he sits around and contemplates angles. He spends way too much time sitting in his most private of sanctums, jerking off as hard as he can. <laughs> I I am amazed because it has the audacity in this book to be like, oh yeah, Shizor could just sit there and he would be like five steps ahead of anyone even though he's not doing anything. And yet every fucking time we cut to Shizor, it's, what's Shizor doing? Oh, he's like taking a bath or getting a massage or in a workout bed or watching people undress. I'm like, this guy doesn't work. This is the chapter where they're supposed to be like, oh, Shizor works. Don't you worry. I'm like, Shizor doesn't work. Shizor says yes to people and hands out things. Yeah. He's like a mall Santa with a big green dick. Yep. Fuck you, Shizor. That is, that is exactly what he is. Every single person who comes in the room, most of them, he just goes, I don't even care about this guy, but I give him 10,000 credits because I'm powerful. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you, I have to imagine that Guri or someone else is actually running this and has propped you up as the head of Black Sun so that if someone tries to kill the head of Black Sun, they kill Shizor and not him. <laughs> That's got to be it. All right, so that is actually... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. There's one last little bit to the massive Hold chapter on. 31. Dash leads the group to a secret hotel that looks like a scary hobo den. It turns out it's not really. It's an okay hotel. It's just really expensive. Yes. How expensive? Staying there for one night costs the same as an entire house on Tatooine. Uh, so wait, are we talking about those Blast Creek caves that like Obi-Wan lives in? Or the cool multi-layer hole-in-the-ground things like Luke and, and Uncle Owen live yeah, in? Yeah, them sand igloos? Which, which one are we talking about right now? I don't know. I mean, it seems like there's a big difference between the two. Uh, and also, why would it be... I, I don't understand. Uh, it seems like the, the house that Obi-Wan lived in was basically free. I mean, maybe... But even if we're talking about the sandy glues that like Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru were in, I, 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 I'm not sure how I want to go with this because I feel like no, 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 no hotel is as much as a house. Like I don't care, even unless you're talking about like I'm staying in Prince Shizo's personal hotel and there's only three rooms and the bathroom doesn't even have a camera in it. I mean, Tatooine sucks. It's like it's like trying to figure out the cost of a house like on the part of the Salton Sea now that is nothing but rotting dead fish. <laughs> I mean, it's just, oh, you, you can just have that fucking house. It's abandoned. It's been abandoned for 15 years. You can go live in it. It's fine. It's free. Or you could stay in this gross hotel on Coruscant. Uh-huh. So, uh, anyway, that's what happens there. They find themselves in a hotel room that gets a dumb description, I guess just because we needed to describe it a little bit. Yeah. And we go to Chapter 32, which is two pages long. Yes. Straight up two pages of text that wastes a third of that rehashing what the first two-thirds said. (laughs) So basically, here's what happens in this chapter. Broken down at super speed. Uh, Luke uses the Force to call Princess Leia. He says, Leia, I'm here. I'm going to help you. Leia receives his Force message. She responds, Luke, I'm here. I'm looking forward to you helping me. Then Vader goes, huh, Luke's on the Force phone. I'll listen in. (laughs) Yeah, it's Luke. Luke calls Leia on the Force. Leia answers on the Force, and then Vader's like, 
Hey, which one of you fucking kids is on the line? I'm but trying to is, dial up AOL. This is still at the point where Vader doesn't know about Leia. Yeah, so, so he's like, there's a weird Force Echo. There must be a Force Echo, because there's no way there's another Jedi. I love the fact that in the expounded, or expanded universe, sorry, mm-hmm, <laughs> self-plug. Yeah. In the expanded universe, I am... 9,000% certain that Force Echoes is a thing that exists. Oh, for sure. Which means that it's not like Vader's an idiot for thinking this. No, no, no. He's just, he's talking about, you know, every once in a while you make that cell phone call and you can hear your own voice right after you talk. Yeah, someone's on like a really loud Bluetooth or something and you can kind of hear yourself. And it's just maddening. That's got to be what it sounds like to to, uh, to Vader here. Yeah, he's like, what, what the, what, why? He doesn't know what is being said, but he does know that someone is using the Force to send a message. And he can only assume that it is Luke because the Emperor is gone and apparently no other Force user exists. Well, that's the idea. I mean, in the Expanded Universe universe, before they made the prequels, everyone thought the, the story was that Vader, upon taking his Jedi or his Sith hood, went around killing every single other Jedi in the galaxy. Yeah, that was the story. But then, of course... The Expanded Universe was like, oh no, literally everyone is a Jedi. Oh yeah, there are so many random X-Wing pilots that turn out to be Jedi, you have no idea. So many people that were background shot characters that happened to be escaped Jedi. Yeah, Lax Sivrak, that werewolf in the cantina. Totally a Jedi, just, there's just Jedi all up and down the block. Yeah, fucking Star Wars is lousy with background Jedi. Yeah, there's just, you can't throw a stick without hitting three Jedi and a Wookiee. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So don't throw any sticks is basically what we're saying here. That's it's just it's just not cool. Oh my god, I'm so excited for chapter thirty-three. Oh yeah, me too. I've got about five page I've got five pages more of notes than chapter thirty-three is long. <laughs> chapter thirty-three may be one of the best stupidest things. Uh, it could very well be. So basically, chapter thirty-three begins, and Shizor is sitting around eating fugu. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's eating moonglow fruit. Uh, now, now, the the weird thing with this is, again, Steve Perry's like, so let's check in with Shizor, the most busy, brilliant criminal mastermind ever. What's he doing? Oh, he's eating stink fruit from Planet Fart Fuck You. He's, ma- he's eating the most expensive fruit in the universe alone in the kitchen. Yeah, he's just, every time we come to Shizor, it's, I'm doing something that isn't work-related, is incredibly opulent, and also I have to monologue about how good my farts smell. There's, there's a point where I started to identify Shizor, and this is going to be a bit of deep internet for some people, but John will get it right away. Shizor is Notch. Huh. The, I, think, I think we brought this up before, didn't we? But I think we might have done. But yeah, because yeah. this is the sort of shit Notch would do. Notch, the guy who created... Uh, or Minecraft. My, one of the team who created Minecraft, who sold it for a billion zillion dollars, but he's still a big fat nerd who can't be happy. No. And that's what Shizor is. Shizor would do the same thing as Notch, where Notch bought himself a giant mansion with a candy room in it. Oh, you 100% better believe that if space Twitter existed, Shizor would be on it. Oh, yeah, just griping constantly, because no matter how rich and no matter how many things he surrounds himself with, he can't just be fucking happy and shut up about it. No, he what he has to do is be like, guys, guys, I spent like $50,000 on a fruit. Yeah, so so Moonglow is an a glowing... Apple that comes from a fungus tree that's, of course, just like the last time we heard about a tree in this book, it can't be transplanted no matter how hard the horticulturists might try. It only grows in the shadow of a moon of a fart of a place of a planet of a, st- of a sky. Yeah, the fact that they already use that on his dumb not a bonsai tree uh-huh. is but- amazing to me because they're like, dude, you already used that. This is a tree that can only grow in one place in an entire galaxy. There's literally no other way to do it. And then you're like, Oh, yeah, also this fruit thing. Yeah, so there's also this other fruit that does the exact same shit. Now, if you were to just eat a Moonglow apple, you'd die instantly. But a skilled chef who has special training in exclusively Moonglow fruit has spent two years and learned 97 discrete steps to, to make how to prepare Moonglow. Okay, so at a certain point, 97 steps to make your food makes it sound like you're getting fucking pink slime chicken nuggets. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm like, okay... I get that there are some steps. You're like, okay, well, I've got to cut it in this certain way, and then I've got to peel this off, and then I've got to make sure that only this section is here, and this doesn't touch that. But even being, like, really stupid about the prep, I could maybe get up to, like, 30 steps. Maybe. And even at a certain point, you're going to cook it, and it won't taste very good. Like, here's... You know what the, the whole step process is for actual, the actual food that this is supposed to be? Fucking fugu? 
It's don't cut any of the poison bits. Yep. It's just get the bits that aren't poison and then feed that to someone. That's all. Make sure the knife doesn't touch any of the poison bits or poison will leak onto the stuff you're cutting. Yep. Done. There you go. I mean, it's really hard and you do want a trained chef, but there's not 97 steps. No. So, okay. Does, is Moonglow delicious? I guess it's like mildly. There's no point where it's like described as transcendent or radiant or important or anything. It's just the fruit is at one point described as crisp. It's it's pear-like is what he describes it as. Yeah. So I'm like, so you paid $50,000 for a pear that might ostensibly kill you? Mm-hmm. This is, and here's the other thing. It also notes that he has the best Moonglow chef in the galaxy. Oh, of course. Um, he found the best Moonglow chef and bought him. Yes. And he eats Moonglow three or four times a month. Oh, goodness. So about once a week, this guy, alone in his kitchen, eats potentially but never poison fruit because it's poison fruit. Yeah, and that's specifically why. He's like, oh, but it's the thrill of it that makes the flavor amazing. It wouldn't taste nearly as good if there wasn't a small, insignificant <laughs> chance that it would kill me. This is one of those deathly threats encountered by the rich. Is what this is. This is him trying to live on the edge by doing something that is entirely safe and pretending it isn't. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, well, yeah, technically uh, this Moonglow fruit could kill you, but you have literally the best trained chef yeah. ever making this. And even if he managed to fuck up slightly, he says that, like... Oh, it oh, might just be hallucinatory it, or something. It might give you an upset stomach. So this is completely non-threatening. He's doing... This is nouveau reach bullshit. Look, look, Shizor, if you would like to eat food in a threatening manner, go get some ceviche from a space truck. <laughs> yeah, dude, if you want some threatening food, then you're going to have to come down and just eat some nasty burgers off a cart over here. <laughs> get yourself one of those two-in-the-morning bacon-wrapped hot dogs that are clearly being cooked on the remains of an old typewriter and, <laughs> eat, and try that. And that's that's going to that, come down and slum with the rest of us, you big nouveau reach douchebag. This whole thing is completely emblematic of... Uh, the, the whole thing to me is Shizor represents the kind of guy that owns five trilbies but still doesn't know not to wear them in the house. Uh, uh, he, I mean, him eating this fucking Moonglow fruit is exactly the same as his, him owning a wood block with katanas on it. The It's just manhood display. And of course, a Shizor scene where he has conspicuous consumption wouldn't be complete without him wasting it. Because, just like... The giant gem from early in the book where, oh, oh yeah. you could buy an entire country with this, and he throws it on the floor like it's nothing. All throughout this book, whenever it's Shizor does a thing, and he doesn't even care. Again, it's, oh, Shizor's eating this moon glow, but he has a bad feeling. I don't want it anymore. I've only eaten half of this 50,000 credit fucking pear. But no, I'll throw it away. Don't show the chef, though, or he'll get cranky. Christ, Christ, shit, fucking butt shit. Also, he says that eating Moonglow is the same as fighting Darth Vader. Yeah, because he's like, oh, well, obviously I'm going to win, but there's a slight chance that Vader could. I just, it makes me angry that he doesn't recognize exactly how much eating this fucking fancy fart fruit just link, links him, just chains him to the slave wheel of ostentation. Huh. He's only doing this because he knows rich people do this. Yeah. He doesn't appear to like the flavor of it especially, he just has to eat this fucking fruit. No, it's, he buys it and eats it so that he can tell people, oh yes, I have moon glow about three or four times a month. Mm-hmm. Mm, how does that impress you? Please... Please be impressed by me. Yes. I'm so alone. I can't tell if that's the line to suck my dick or the line to suck Dash Rendar's dick. They both go around the block several times, and I think they get mingled up in the middle. But you know what? It's fine. There's enough dick for all. Also, let me let me throw out probably the weirdest thing about this scene to me is Shizor is probably Force-sensitive because this scene is, I'm eating a pear. It came right after the two-page chapter of Everyone is getting on the force horn and talking about what's going on and Luke sending things to Leia and Leia doing that. And as he's sitting down to eat, he's like, wait a minute. I have a bad feeling. I I can sense something is wrong. I'm getting the jitters. He's like, I've got a strange intuition that something is not quite right. I'm like, oh, you have force. You're, the, you're a force sensitive. We've decided... Right now, that fucking Shizor, by the end of this book, not only is he the world's biggest jag-off, douchebag, rich, nouveau riche guy, 
but he's also a force sensitive because of course he is. Yeah, why not? So there we go. All right, Luke and the boys is planning their assault on Shizor's castle. Uh, Rendar, because he is the main character of an N64 game, suggests a sewer level. Yes. He's like, guys, we haven't done a sewer level. And while we're down there, if we could fight different types of spiders or something, we haven't done a spider boss yet. Yeah, let's get some spiders in there. Maybe some Gamorians. I don't know. Have we shot Gamorians? Uh, I don't know. Just whatever whatever we can get down there. Yeah, it's fine. As long as we get some animal in there that makes a her, her, her noise, that'd be perfect. I, <laughs> I know I know it's sand, sand people. I'm just imagining, like, ZZ Top now is down in the sewer. <laughs> How much do you want to see ZZ Top dressed up as sand people? <laughs> <laughs> Tuscan Raiders, just beards sticking out of those weird tubes. <laughs> She's got gaffy sticks. She, she knows, knows how, how to use them. them. <laughs> oh man, she walks in single file. <laughs> Two hotter numbers. <laughs> oh my god. Well, ZZ Top is in the sewer now, of Coruscant, so uh, be wary of that. In case you were curious. Anyway, we got right to Vader, and Vader is in a scenario four. <laughs> Good. <laughs> there are five Vader scenarios in the book ranked in order of commonality. Number one, Vader plots against Shizor. Number two, Vader monologues about Luke. Number three, Vader is given the business by Shivp. <laughs> number four, Vader tries in vain to heal himself. And number five, Vader actually fucking does something. <laughs> This is a scenario four. He is trying to heal himself using the for dark force. Yeah, he's sitting there getting real angry about how fucked up he is, and then it heals him. He's like, I'm so angry, I'm not more healed. Yeah, and he gets, he, all he does is go, yes, new personal best. I made it two minutes breathing regular. Pretty soon it will be ten minutes, and then an hour, and then I'll never have to wear this dumb armor again. I could just be a gross burned egg man. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm going to get all of these... Woodland creatures and put them in robots. And then that hedgehog is going to show up. And when I get done with Sonic, I'll have to give myself a promotion. <laughs> if I can't build my Death Star big enough to contain Mobius, then I'll give myself a promotion. <laughs> then with that Wookiee's help. <laughs> oh, good lord. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just him being like, I'm trying to heal myself, I'm very angry, but oh baby... I'm going to get that Luke and turn him to the dark side. So it's like scenario two and four got mixed up. <laughs> kind of. It starts as a scenario four and it becomes a scenario two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Leia is working out in her room. Oh, yeah. She's doing gymnastics. She's doing, she knows how to do gymnastics She's now. like flipping around and stuff. She's not just doing push-ups or whatever or uh, resistance exercises against the walls. No, she's bouncing around in there like the floor's hot lava. Oh, yeah. Well, she's like, oh, you know, I can't. I can't do flips because the the ceiling ceiling's too low. The ceiling's too low for flipping, but I can still do handstands and tumbles. I like to think that most of Leia's daily workout routine is flips. Yeah, she's like, man, I'm so sad that I can't like backflip across a room for three hours because that's what my normal regimen is. <laughs> I mean, she was a cheerleader. That's got to be what it is. Oh, obviously, she, she used to do human pyramids and stuff, and she's so mad <laughs> that she's stuck in here. Yeah, and then, I, I need uh, an edited, uh, but I'm a cheerleader, but with Leia in the cover. It's called, but I'm a princess Leia. <laughs> All right, and then she decides to take a shower, and she takes a complicated, uh, start the shower, turn off the lights, take all her clothes off, take the shower, put all her clothes on, turn on the lights, so that Shizor doesn't get a free show. Yeah. But I love the idea that she knows that Shizor has hollow cameras in the bathroom, but thinks that he can't just turn the lights on in there if he wants. Or... Isn't like, yeah, dude, this is this is super high tech. I, I can just go, boop, and there we go. I've got night vision. Hey, uh, look, she's all green. Color correct? Great. Enhance. Enhance. Extrapolate without pubes. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the very end of this, we are almost done, but the very end of this is Leia concerned about, of course, Luke coming to get her, but she was on another level pleased that he would come for her. It was nice to know that somebody cared that much. I want you to know that my entire notes about this is in all caps. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it just says, Ah, Leia, Chewbacca just risked life and limb to escape this place and got singed fur from getting shot at with blasters so he could go find help to rescue you. Yeah. Again, it's like 
fucking Lando flew you after Slave One, risking life and limb to try and get Han back for you, mm-hmm. and... Oh, no. Boy, howdy, it's just Luke. No, literally, in, in Leia's language in this book, in the parlance of Princess Leia, someone translates to white dudes I am conflicted about fucking. Oh, yeah. It's, boy, I sure wish someone that I had a girl boner for cared that much for me. Yeah. Does Chewbacca count? No, Chewbacca's not a someone. He's a something. Chewbacca's a dog. Of course he unconditionally loves me. Oh, he has to. (laughs) I feed him. Of course he does. Yeah. My entire relationship with Chewbacca is basically every Pearl Jam song. (laughs) You mean rad? (laughs) Yes, great. But also always linking food and love. That's a thing with Pearl Jam. Anyway, but yeah, she's just like, oh, God, it's nice to know someone cares. Oh, does it smell like singed Wookiee fur from that Wookiee that tried to save my fucking life? (laughs) Uh, If only someone cared about me. You know, maybe enough to stop me from getting raped or something. Gosh, if only that person existed. (laughs) I am living in, in a dream state where all I want to do is be done with this book so I can get back to a place where Leia is respectable. <laughs> I want to read any other book where Leia's not a dumb, mean, racist sex kitten. Yep, that would be great. That's all I want. And she shouldn't be. She's fucking Princess Leia. Yeah, but no. Old, old Steve Perry not having it. Nope, that's not the plan with him. Not for her. No, sir. Oh, goodness. And no. that's where we leave it this week. <laughs> that is the end of that. God, we are so close to the end. Yeah, I think there's either two or three episodes to go. Yeah. I mean, long term, we may have another month of this book, and then we have to start on the next one. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, it may be less than that. We are at 978 out of $1,000. If we can make a mere 22 additional dollars in our Patreon feed at patreon.com slash systemmastery, this show becomes weekly. Yep, then we are going to start flying through these. You're going to have every week for your commute a new bunch of chapters in this Idiot garbage universe that some people like for some reason. That is correct. If you help us out and get us to $1,000, we will be flying through this like ghosts flying through a Casper mattress. <laughs> now, now, listeners, I want you to consider Casper mattresses for your mattress purchases. Uh, go to systemmasterypodcast.com slash we don't represent Casper or work for them and buy their new mattress. It's mostly nails, broken glass, and ghosts. Speaking of mostly nails, broken glass, and ghosts, Nature Box. <laughs> A new curated box of honey-roasted sesame glass every month delivered direct to you. Is it organic glass? You better fucking believe it, motherfucker. (laughs) Who wants some vegan ghosts? Because you're getting them. (laughs) That's what you're going to get. Vegan ghosts. And you know how you can tell they're vegan ghosts? Don't worry. Don't shut up about it. They'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sir, that's us. (laughs) That's the end of this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening to uh, Expounded Universe. Find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes of this show and all of our other shows there, uh, like Movie Mastery, System Mastery, and Afterthought and Gamma Crawl X, and all that good shit can be found there. Otherwise, you can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, whatever you want to do. Uh, send us your comments, your suggestions, and so on. Uh, thank Chat you. us up on Discord. Yeah, find us on Discord. I really do need to go update that link. I'll do that right after I finish talking. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, I'm Elan Begano, and I love Death Sticks. Gave that dog a crossbow and two bachelor's degrees. <laughs> Pulls everyone cheese on. I don't know why. <laughs> That's Vader, <laughs> the world's greatest power top. Take a look at these meat bags.